Shalom to all. Today's office is getting Daf Lamed Zayin, and we are starting the fifth line with the words Amrav Yehuda. And today's office sponsor Lili Nishmas, Mars Miriam Sarah Bas Yaakov Meisha, her Neshama should have an Aliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Mars Freyda Chayabela, Bas Yitzchak Tzvi, her Neshama should have an Aliyah. And we continue talking about Prosbol. Amrav Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, Yisaimim ain't Tzrichin Prosbol. Yisaimim don't need a Prosbol. B'chein Tanur Rambam Barchama, Rambam Barchama also taught Yisaimim ain't Tzrichin Prosbol. Yisaimim don't need to have a Prosbol. Why is that? Rambam Gamliel Bezdina, even Shal Yisaimim, because Rambam Gamliel and his Bezdin, they're the fathers of the Yisaimim. Now, this doesn't mean only Rabbi Gamaliel and his Bezdin, but it's really referring to any generation and any Bezdin because they're in charge of the Yisaimim. They have to care for the Yisaimim's affairs. So it's like the Shtars of the Yisaimim have already been given over to Bezdin, so we don't need a Prozbol for that. And tonight, also, we have a mission over there in Sechashviyas. In custom Prozbol, El Alakarka. We can only write a Prozbol if the borrower has land. And this is because the Takana Prozbol was set up to protect a standard loan, and a standard loan has a lien on the borrower's property. So a Prozbol can only be written if the borrower has land. And in life, the borrower doesn't have land, the lender could be Mazaka, a little piece of land of his to the borrower, and now it's considered like the borrower has land. But Kamakalshu, how much is a Kalshu? He answers, even if it's a tiny little piece that a stalk of cabbage grows on, that's enough land that's considered that the borrower has land. Even if all he did was lend him a place on his land where he could place an oven or a stove, we can write a prosbol on that also. Ask the Gemara, is that really so? Vatani Hill, Hill taught. Now, this is referring to Hill the Amira. He taught in Nebraisa, in Kaisum Prozbol, El Al Bovad, one can only write a Prozbol if the borrower has an Atatznakov, a perforated flower pot. And we know that when the flower pot has a hole in it, so the earth inside the flower pot is considered to be connected to the ground. Now, what do we learn from here? Nakov inch and Nakov loy. That only if it has a hole in it is it considered karka, but if it doesn't have a hole in it, so a Prozbol can't be written on that. Am I, but why would that be? We have the place of the flower pot. As we just said before, even if the borrower doesn't actually own land, but he's allowed to use some of the lender's land for his things, so that's enough to write a prosbol on. Why does this Bryce say not like that? The Gemara says, Over here we're talking about something different, that this flower pot was placed on pegs and it's elevated above the ground and the ground itself is not his, therefore only if the atzitz is nakov, if it's perforated, so then even though it's raised above the ground, it's considered connected to the ground. But if it's not perforated, so that means that it's not considered connected to the ground and it's not resting on the ground either, it's elevated above it, so therefore that's not enough to be able to write a prosbol on. Now story, Rav Ashi, Makni Le Gidma the Dikla, Rav Ashi was Makna, a stump of a palm tree, to a person that borrowed money from him, the Kosvale Prozbol, and he wrote a Prozbol on that. Another story, Rabbanan the Bear of Ashi, the Rabbanan in the base measure of Ashi, they just simply gave words over to each other, meaning they didn't even write a Shtar Prozbol, they simply said to each other, any loans that are owed to me are given over to you. And similarly, Rabbi Yenison, Masar Mila, Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Yenison gave over his words to Rabbi Abba, and Amrle, he asked him, Do I need to do anything else? Amrle, he told him, You don't need to do anything else, that's enough, we don't even have to write a Shtar. And the Mark continues to Rabban, we have a Brysa. Ain't like Harka, Let's say the borrower doesn't have any karka. Ula'arev yesh like karka. However, the guarantor on the loan, he has karka. Kaisman of Prozbol, we could write a Prozbol on that. Why is that? Because if the borrower can't pay back, we're going to go to the Arev. So the Arev's karka is fair game over here to be considered karka to have a Prozbol written on it. What about the following scenario? Loi ula'arev ain't lam karka. Neither the borrower nor the Arev have karka. However, ula'chayev loi yesh like karka. Someone owes the borrower money, and that fellow has karka. Kaisman of Prozbol, we can write a Prozbol on that. Why? Mid Reb because Reb Nassim says, Tanya, we have a Brysa, Reb Nassim, Reb Nassim, Says, 
Ay, how do we know if one person owes another and that one owes a third person? How do we know that we could take from person C and give to person A? Because the Pasuk says, And this is famous throughout Gemara. It's called Shibudid Rav Nason, the one A owes B and B owes C, so we can collect from A and give it to C. So it's the same thing over here. We have our main lender who lent to the borrower. The borrower doesn't have any karka, but that borrower had lent money to somebody else and that somebody else's karka. So since A could technically collect that karka from C for his loan, he's allowed to write a prosbol on it as well. And we continue with prosbol. Tanan Hasan Mishnah Shviyas says, Hashviyas Mishamatis Amilva, Bein Mishtar, Bein Shloi Bishtar. Shviyas is going to cancel a loan whether it's with a shtar or without a shtar. So now we have to understand what this means with a shtar and without a shtar. So Rabbi Shmuel and Shavaya, both of them say, Bishtar, what does that mean with a shtar? Shtar That means that the loan was written in a shtar and that shtar had a chayas nechasim means a lien was placed on the property of the borrower. Shaloi Bishtar, what does that mean without a shtar? That means it was written in a shtar. However, no lien was placed on the borrower's property. And Kol Shekin Milval Peh, for sure, Shvius would cancel a loan if the whole loan was al peh and it wasn't even written in a shtar. However, Biyachin Rav Shimon ben Lakish Tamim Shavayu, both of Biyachin Rish Lakish say that Bishtar, what does that mean? Shtar she'ein by Achayz Nechasim. The shtar regarding the halva did not have Achayz Nechasim. There's no lien on the borrower's property. Shaloi Bishtar, what does that mean? Milval peh. It literally means there was no shtar. It was just a verbal loan. Avol shtar sheyesh by Achayz Nechasim. However, if we have a shtar halva and there is Achayz Nechasim, there is a lien on the borrower's property. Then einim shamit shmita is not going to cancel that loan. And Tani Kavas Rabbi Yechon Rabbi Shimon Lakish, we have a brayso just like Rabbi Yechon Rish Lakish. The brayso says shtar chayv mishamit that a shtar chayv is canceled by shmita bim yesh by achrayis nechasim. However, if there's a achrayis here, if there's a lien on the borrower's property, ainim mishamit, so shmita doesn't cancel it. And Tani Idich, we have a similar brayso. Siim loisad achas balva asai. If the borrower specified a particular field of his that's going to be used to pay back the halva, ainim mishamit, so shmita's not going to mishamit that loan. Meloy oy. Not only that, el afilu kasav. Even if the borrower wrote kol nechasai achrayin varavayin lach, all of my property is being used as a guarantee to you, meaning to pay you back, Ain't a mishamet, Shemitah is not going to be mishamet alone. The Kiddush over here is, even though he didn't specify a particular piece of property, he just said, all of my property, still that's considered like there's a lien on his property. So it seems to be that we have two brises supporting Rabbi Yechon Rish Lakish's shita. But now we have a story about this. Krivid Ravasi, the relative of Ravasi, he had a shtar, and there was a chreis nechasim in that shtar, meaning there was a lien on the borrower's property. Also, Kamei Ravasi, he went to Ravasi, Armalah, he asked Ravasi, mishamet ain't a mishamet, is Shemitah going to cancel his loan or not? Armalah, he told him, ain't a mishamet, it doesn't cancel it. But then Shaf gave also like a met Rabbi Yechanan. He left him and went to Rabbi Yechanan, and he asked Rabbi Yechanan the same question. Armel Rabbi Yechanan told him Mishamit Shmita will be Mishamit. Now also Rav Asi like a met Rabbi Yechanan. Rav Asi went to Rabbi Yechanan, and Armel he asked him Mishamit to Ena Mishamit. Is Shmita going to cancel a loan like this or not? And remember, we're dealing with a shtar that has a chayz nechasim written on it. Armel Rabbi Yechanan told him Mishamit Shmita will cancel it. So Rav Asi asked him Vahamar who the Amar you yourself just said Ena Mishamit that it's not going to Mishamit it. Armel Rabbi Yechanan told him, and we had this expression earlier in the Masechta Vechimu Pnei Shanu Medamin Nasem Isa. Just because we think that this is the halacha, we're going to paskin halacha based off of this, we don't have a proof that this is the halacha. And if we paskin the Shemitah is not Mishamit alone, then that means that the lender is going to end up taking money from the borrower, Shalai Kedin. So Amrulei Ravasi asked him, What do you mean? Vatanya Kabasai Demar, there's a brisa that supports you. We had just brought two brisas. Amrulei, so Rabbi Yechonon told him, Dilmaihi Beishamaihi, maybe that brisa is Beishamai, to Amri Beishamai holds, Shtar Ha'amid Ligvas Kagavoidami, that a star that could be used to collect is like the loan's been collected with it already, and therefore Shemitah wouldn't be Mishamit that loan. But that would only be according to Beishamai, and wouldn't necessarily paskin like that.
And the Gemara continues, Tan Hasam, we have a mission over there in Masech Shviyas. Hamavitz Chaveri Maisal Amashkain. Someone who lends his friend money with a Mashkain, meaning his friend gave him a collateral. Vehamaisal Shtaris of Lebezdin, or someone who gave his Shtaris over to Bezdin, in Mishamtin, those loans are not canceled by Shemitah. Now, Bishlayo Maisal Shtaris of Lebezdin, we understand that when a person gives their Shtaris over to Bezdin, Shemitah is not going to cancel it. The Tafsilu Beidina, because Bezdin is holding on to it. And as we've explained by Prozbol, since Bezdin has the ability to be Mafkir person's Nechasim, so Shemitah is not going to cancel that loan. Elamaval Amashkain, my time When a person lends money and he receives a Mashkain in exchange, a collateral, why is they were saying the Shemitah is not going to cancel that loan? So Amravi explains, that's because the lender is holding on to something of the borrowers, so it's already like he collected the loan, so Shemitah is not going to cancel it because like it's been collected already. Normally, Abai, Abai asks him, El that's really so, if Ruvain lends Shimon money and Ruvain's living in Shimon's Chatzar, so now it's considered like he's being typhus something of Shimon's because like now he's holding on to his Chatzar, so we should say the Shemitah shouldn't cancel that loan, and we know that Shemitah does cancel such a loan. So Amravi Rava answered Abaye, shining mashkain. When we're dealing with a physical mashkain, something that's metaltal and something that could be moved, that's different. The kani lay because he's actually kainit. Mid Rav Yitzchak based off of what Rav Yitzchak said. Dom Rav Yitzchak minayl balchayv shekainu mashkain. How do we know that balchayv is actually kainu a mashkain? Shneimert says ulchati yitzdaka. And this pasuk is telling us that when a balchayv gets a mashkain from a poor person and he returns that mashkain to the poor person to use, for example, let's say it was pajamas and he returns his pajamas at nighttime so that he can use them, the pasuk says that it's going to be considered a tzedaka for you. Now I'm ain't a kainit. If the lender is not actually kind of the mashkain, so why is it considered a tzedakah? He's not doing anything particularly righteous by giving the fellow his pajamas back. The lender doesn't own the pajamas anyway. It must be that he does own them, and that's why it's tzedakah that he's giving them back. Mikal is a kind of mashkain. We see from here that Rachayev is kind of mashkain. And we continue. Tanan Hasim learned over there on Masechah Shviyas. Lamazayin on Bezah Atap. Hamach Shirchayev Chaver B'Shviyas. Someone who returns a chayev to his friend on Shmita. It's not really on Shmita. It's after Shmita because really when we say the Shmita cancels loans, it's canceled at the end of Shmita. So after. Shmita, Shimon goes back to Reuven and he says, Hey, I want to give you your money back. Reuven has to tell Shimon, I canceled the loan. However, if Shimon tells Reuven, even so I want to pay you back, so then Reuven's allowed to take it from him. Now, how do we know that such an exchange has to take place? Because the Pasuk says, Now, the general way to translate the Pasuk would be, This is the matter of Shemitah. However, we're going to understand this word literally, and Devar means words. These are the words that have to be exchanged in between the lender and the borrower when the borrower is going to be paying back after Shemitah. And this goes so far that Amar Rabba Rabba says, He's able to hang him until he says this. Meaning, when Ruvain says, No, I'm a Shamit alone. If Shimon doesn't say, I still want to pay you, so Ruvain can hang him up, meaning he could cause him Tsaris and make him a sugar until he actually says it and pays him the money. But now, Esau Abai Abai asks the following question. The Bresa says, When he's paying him back, he shouldn't tell him, I'm giving this to you because it's my chayv, because I owe it to you. Shimon should tell him, It's really my money. But I'm giving it to you as matana. So you see from here, that Shimon really doesn't have to pay Ruvain back, so what does that mean that Ruvain's allowed to hang him and make him a sugar until he pays him back? So Amalei, he responded to Abai, In this case also, he's allowed to hang him and make him a sugar until he tells him this. And a story about this. Abar Marta, Duhu Abar Minyumi, Abar Marta, it's the same person as Abar Minyumi, Hava Masik Bey Rabba Zuze, he owed money to Rabba. I said when he alayed after Shemitah came over to him, Amalei, so Rabba told him, Mishamitani, I canceled the loan. So what did Abba do? Shaklinu, he took the money, Vaazal, and he left. Now also Abai, Abai came along. He saw that Rabbah was sad. Amalei, he asked Rabbah, Am I Atsev Mar? Why are you sad? Amalei told him, Hachi Avamaisa, this is what happened. And Abba walked away and didn't give me the money. So Azlagabe, Abai went to Abba. Amalei, he asked him, Amtisle Zuzay Lamar, did you bring money to Rabbah? Amalei, he said, In, yes, I did. Amalei, he said, Ubai Amalei, so what did he tell you? Amalei, so Abba told him, Mishamatani, he said that I canceled a loan. 
Amr Leh, so Abai told him, Amr Leh, did you tell him, Afal Pikain, even so, I still want to pay you? Amr Leh, so Abba told him, Loi, I didn't tell that to him. Amr Leh, so Abai told Abba, V Amr Leh, if you would have told him, Afal Pikain, I still want to pay you, Havishaklinu Minach, he would have taken it from you. So Hashtamiya Samtinu Nialeh, now you should go over to him, Be'emaleh, and tell him, Afal Pikain, even so, I want to pay you. So Azal, Abba went, Amtinu Nialeh, Bamrlein, he told Rabba, Afal Pikain, I still want to pay you. So Shaklinu Mine, Rabba took it from him. And then Amma, Rabba commented, Loi Havishaklinu this this Talmudical scholar, referring to Abba Bar-Marta, obviously didn't think about this originally. And more about Prozbol. A person, after Shemitah, is believed to say that I had a Prozbol, but it got lost. My time out, why is he believed? That's because given the Tekin Rabbanon Prozbol, once Rabbanon were attacking something called Prozbol, a person is not going to leave the Heter path and eat something usher. Meaning, since he has a kosher yosher way of collecting his loan after Shemitah, which is by right a prosbol, he's not going to collect it be'iser after Shemitah, so when he says that I made a prosbol, we can believe him, and we don't have to suspect that he's lying. Now, when people came to Rav after Shemitah and they wanted to collect their loans, Amr he would tell this person, did you perhaps have a prosbol and it got lost? And in a case like this, that we say this is a case of which literally means open your mouth for someone who's mute. In other words, usually when a person comes to Bezin, we're not going to give him a taina that he could say. We're not going to tell him, oh, you could say X, Y, and Z in order to get your money. But there are certain circumstances that fit under the title of Psach Pichal Ilaim open your mouth for the mute person that we are going to help a guy out. And this is one of those. If a fellow comes to Bezin, we're going to suggest to him, hey, maybe you lost your prosbol. And as we said before, if a person lost his prosbol, it's okay, we're still going to collect his loan for him. But now the Gemara asks, Tanan, we have a mission that says, If a Baal takes out a Shtar Chayv, but he doesn't have a prosbol with it, he's not allowed to collect with that Shtar. So we see that we're not going to suggest to him, oh, maybe you had a prosbol and it got lost. So Gemara says, you're right, Tanah, it's a Machlekes Tanahim, you have a Braisa, if a person takes out a star chayv, he's got to have a prosbol with it. However, he doesn't have to because he's believed to say that the prosbol was lost. And now moving on to brand new Mishnah. An Evid was captured and was redeemed. So Reuven had an Evid, John, who was walking around and a band of pirates or marauders or kidnappers came through town and captured this Evid. And then they put him up on the slave market and he's redeemed by Shimon. So what do we do with this Evid? Which, by the way, is an Evid Kenani. So it depends. In Lashom Evid, if when Shimon redeemed this Evid, he did so with intent that he should be an Evid, Yishtabid. So we're going to enslave the Evid. But in Lashom Ben Chayrin, if Shimon redeemed this Evid in order to set him free, La Yishtabid, so we're not allowed to enslave him. Whereas if Shimon Gamil, or Shimon Gamil says, it doesn't make a difference why Shimon redeemed him, Yishtabid, he's going to be enslaved. So now the Gemara asks, what are we talking about over here? If you want to say that Shimon redeemed this Evid before Ruvain, the original owner, was Miyayish, so Lashom Ben just because Shimon had redeemed this Evid with intention to set him free, why should we not enslave him? He still is owned by his original owner. He should go back to his original owner. Elos, you want to say, that Shimon redeemed this Evid after the original owner, Ruvain, was Miyash of ever getting him back. Well, if that's all, Shum Evid, Amayishtabid, just because Shimon redeemed him with intention for him to be an Evid, why should we even Shtabid him? He should be let free. So we're going to have two different understandings of our Mishnah. Amar Abai Abai explains, really, we're talking about that he was redeemed before Yish of Ruvain. And when Shimon redeemed him in order to be an Eved, what does it mean we're going to enslave him? He goes back to his original master. Because 
Eliezer wasn't Yish yet, so he's still owned by his original master. And when we say Lashem ben Chayrin, that Shimon redeemed to be a ben Chayrin, he's not going to be enslaved. That means Loyal Rabbi Rishon, Loyal Rabbi Shani, he's not going to be enslaved by his first master or by his second master. The Rabbi Shani Loy, he can't be enslaved by his second master, meaning Shimon, to Halashem ben Chayrin Parkei, because he redeemed him in order to be a ben Chayrin. And the Rabbi Rishon Nami Loy, he also can't be enslaved by his first master, Dilmani Mani Vlay Parkei. Maybe people are going to withhold themselves and not redeem Avadim if that Evid is just going to go back to being an Evid. And according to this explanation, which is again, Abai's explanation of the Tanakhama of Aramishnah, a person doesn't have a chiv to redeem a slave. However, we don't want a non-Jewish slave to be held captive by non-Jews because we know that a non-Jewish slave to some extent is considered a Jew. He has a bris milah, he was put into the mikvah, he's chavin mitzvahs like a woman. So we do want to encourage Yidin to redeem non-Jewish slaves. And if a Yid knows that by him redeeming this non-Jewish slave, he's just going to go back to being a slave, so he's not going to bother redeeming him. So therefore, when he's redeemed with intent to be a ben chayrin, he's completely set free. Now, Abai continues to explain the Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, I remember Shimon Gamliel in our Mishnah says, the Benkach or Benkach Yishtabed. It doesn't make a difference why he redeemed him, he's going to be enslaved. And that's because, Kasavar, Shimon Gamliel holds, Kashem Shemitzaliftes ben chayrin, Kach Mitzaliftes Zavadim. The same way there's a mitzvah of Pidyan Shvuyim to redeem free people, there's also a mitzvah of Pidyan Shvuyim to redeem Avadim. So, according to Shimon Gamliel, there's no fear that a Yid is not going to end up redeeming the slave. He has a chiv to redeem the slave. So, once he redeems the slave, it doesn't make a difference what his intention was, the slave goes back to the original master. Now, Rav Amr, he explains the mission differently. Really, we're talking about where Shimon redeemed the slave after Yish of Ruvain. And when we say that Shimon redeemed him to be an Eved, that means he's going to be to the second master, to Shimon. When we say that he redeemed to be a man, he's not going to be enslaved either to his first master or to his second master. He's not going to be enslaved to his second master, meaning to Shimon, because he was redeemed in order to be a Ben Chayrin. And the Rabbi Rishon Nami Loi, he's not going to go back to his first master either, to Halacher Yish Hava, because it's already after Yish. And that's all in Shittas Tanakama. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, I'm Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, and our Mishnah had said, either which way, it does make a difference what his intention was. This slave will remain a slave. Why is that? Because he holds like Cheskiah. Why is it they said that it does make a difference what Shimon's intent was when he was redeeming the slave? This slave still has to remain enslaved? That's because we don't want it to become standard practice by Avadim that they're just going to walk along the street and try to get themselves captured by Gaiosais, by these kidnappers. Then they're going to be redeemed by somebody else, and that way he's going to be able to get himself out of his first master. And even if he might be enslaved by his second master, the Evid's hope in doing this is obviously that his second master is going to be better than his first. And we don't want to encourage that practice among Avadim, so therefore we say it does make a difference why this fellow redeemed him. He has to go back to his first master. Now we ask a question on Rav's explanation. Mace we have a brass that says, the same way that it's a mitzvah to redeem Ben Chayrin, Kach mitzvah liftes Avadim, it's also a mitzvah to redeem Avadim. Now, Bishlam Labaye, Dom Lefnei Yosh, we understand that according to Abaye, this whole discussion taking place is talking about before Yosh of Ruvain, Hanutka Amr Kishem, that's why Rabbi Gamliel told them Kishem. El Rava, the Amr Lachar Yosh, but according to Rava, that the whole discussion taking place is after Yosh of Ruvain, Hai Kishem, this thing that Rabbi Gamliel told them, and the reason why he's redeemed is because it's a mitzvah to redeem slaves. But that's not the real reason, Mishum de Chizkiahu, it's because of Chizkiah. That's the reason why he's going back to his original. Master, not because it's a mitzvah to redeem Avadim. So I'm looking Rav. Rav would answer you. Reb Shimon Gamliel loy have a yada my kamri Rabbanon. Reb Shimon Gamliel wasn't so sure what the Rabbanon were saying, meaning he wasn't so sure which case Rabbanon were talking about before Yish or after Yish, and therefore he covered all of his bases. Bahachi Kamrilu, and this is what he was telling them. Ilifne Yish Kamrisu. If your sheet is discussing a case that Ruvain was before Yish, meaning he wasn't Mihai Shanis Eved yet, so Hainu Kishem. I'm telling you that the reason why what you're saying is not so because there's a chiv to redeem Avadim. And Ilachar Yish Kamrisu. If you're saying your shita 
after Yishav Ruvain, so Kedachiskia, I say my shita because Vorchiskia says. And now the Gemara says follows Ulurava the Amr Lachar Yish Ulurabai Sheni. According to Rav that said that we're dealing with after Yishav Ruvain, and when Shimon redeemed him in order to be a slave, we say he goes to Shimon. That's a second master. So here's a halachic question: Rabbi Sheni Miman Kanile, who's his second master? Shimon kind of the slave from Mishabai from the kidnapper. Shabai Gufemi Kanile was a kidnapper himself. Kind of this Eved. This kidnapper himself stole the Eved, and we're assuming right now that we're talking about a Gaisha kidnapper. So he's not actually kind of the body of the Eved. So how is Shimon able to be kind of the Eved? So the Gemara says, not a problem in Kani Leilamaisa Yadav, the kidnapper, who's a non-Jew, is kind of this Eved that he stole and kidnapped only for his Maesiyadayim, meaning he's not kind of the guf of the Eved, but what he does own is the Maesiyadayim of the Eved, meaning he has the right to all the work of the Eved. Damir Shlakish, because Shlakish said, How do we know that one non-Jew can buy another non-Jew and he owns him to the extent of his Maesiyadayim? Meaning he doesn't own his guf, he doesn't own his body, like one Yid buys a guy as a slave, but he does own him to the extent that he gets his Maesiyadayim. How do we know this? Because the Pasuk says, from Taishavim that live among you in Eretz Yisrael, you are allowed to buy slaves from them. Now, what do we learn from here? Atem kind of mehem. You can buy them as a slave, meaning a yid could buy a guy as a slave. But they're not allowed to buy a yid as a slave. And they're not allowed to buy each other as slaves. Now, the Brassic continues. You might think that they're not allowed to buy each other. The Gemara pauses and asks for a second. You might think that they're not allowed to buy each other, which implies that they really are allowed to. You had just said in the Brassa that they're not allowed to buy each other. So why are you saying Yachol, you might think that they're not allowed to buy each other, implying that they are. They're clearly not. So Gwar explains, no, Hachikamer, this is really what's being said in the Brayasa. They're not allowed to buy each other's bodies. Meaning when a guy buys another one for a slave, he doesn't own his body. So now that we explain that part in the Brayasa, we go back to the Brayasa. You might think that one guy cannot buy another one, even for his Masyadayim. So we'll tell you, we have a Yisrael Kaina. If a guy could buy Yisrael as an Evan, and that's only for his Maesiyadayim, obviously. Can't one guy buy another guy as a slave? And we continue, Maybe one guy is only allowed to buy another when we're talking about buying him with money, meaning he goes to the market and he buys a slave. You might think that one guy cannot own another guy through Chazaka. For example, our case of the kidnapper, where he kidnapped the fellow, he didn't buy him. So you might think that him owning him by Chazaka, for example, kidnapping, is not considered like the guy now owns this non-Jewish slave. So Rav Papa, Rav Papa explains that no, Amen Umayev Tira Besichain. Amen and Mayev were purified with Sichain. What does this mean? So this refers to when Am Yisrael were on their way from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael, they were told that they are not allowed to capture Amen and Mayev. However, after they captured Sichain, they automatically acquired Amon and Mayav. Why is that? Because Sichain had waged war with Amon and Mayav and had taken them over. So we see that a non-Jew can acquire another one by Chazaka. Namely, Sichain acquired Amon and Mayav through Chazaka. They didn't buy Amon and Mayav, they conquered them. The Gemara continues, We see that one non-Jew can become another non-Jew by way of Chazaka and he doesn't have to buy him. Whereas Avikachavim Yisrael Menalon, how do we know that a guy can become a Yid through Chazaka even though he doesn't buy him? And the reason why that's relevant over here because we're talking about a non-Jewish slave, but as we said previously, a non-Jewish slave is somewhat Jewish because he has a brismila and he's having mitzvahs like a woman. So how do we know that a guy who captures Avi Kanani is able to be kind to him by Chazaka and thereby can transfer that ownership that he has of him to Shimon when Shimon redeems this slave? 
because the Pasuk says, and took some captives from them. This is referring to when Amishra was in the Midbar, and the Canaanim waged war with them and took some captives. So we see that when a Canaani captures a Yid, it's considered a real capture in as much that he owns him to the point that he would own his Maasiyadayim. So going all the way back to our question, which was, when Shimon buys a slave from the kidnapper, why is Shimon kind to him? That's because the kidnapper was kind to him, not by way of purchase, because he kidnapped him, but by way of Chazaka. And a guy could be kind to a Yid by way of Chazaka. We're going to stop here for the day, but pick up tomorrow continue to talk about this. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.